Welcome to Tea with the Changemakers. This week, we're talking to Daniel Tomlinson Gray, co-founder of LGBT Ed, the organization that strives for the better representation of LGBTQ plus teachers and figures within the education system. As part of LGBT History Month, Daniel delivered a school assembly during which he came out. Not as a grand announcement, just to mention that he was a gay man. He didn't intend it to be a monumental moment, but nevertheless, he made huge waves in the media. It was even picked up by BBC News. Daniel's organization now has over 6,000 followers on Twitter, and he joins us today to discuss LGBT ed and how the education system could better represent LGBTQ plus people. Good afternoon, Andy here. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Alive, as you say. <laughs> Barely, <laughs> but <laughs> here we are. You are a school teacher. Mm-hmm, absolutely. What, what's, what's your subject speciality, by the way? Uh, my specialism is media, but I also teach English, so it's kind of 50-50 timetable at the moment. And I've also worked in school leadership too. Back back when you were a school pupil then, I, I noticed a, a, a quote in, in an interview with you where you were bullied at school for who you were and the teacher said to you that this is just the kind of thing that you have to put up with. Absolutely, yeah. How, uh, how did that make you feel? That made me feel awful. I, you know, I was being bullied for being gay before I knew that I was. And um, because I grew up during the time of Section 28, um, schools weren't allowed uh, by law, they weren't permitted to promote, I say in inverted commas, um, homosexuality of any kind so they weren't able to therefore help me and support me when I was being bullied uh, I was um, picked on every single day uh, because the other students um, um, suspected I was gay I had wet toilet roll thrown at me in changing rooms I had food thrown at me I, I couldn't get the school bus um, to school because uh, I basically wasn't allowed to get on because people would force me off of the bus and I'd wait for the public bus at the bus stop and the school bus would go past and they would throw sandwiches out of the windows at me and all kinds of things like that. I was uh, punched and kicked in corridors. It was, it was traumatic. It made me feel worthless. Um, and it's those it's issues that I, you know, at, at the age of 37, I'm, I'm still coming to terms with. I've had many, many, many years of support with. And that's what's happening to so many young people still today. Although the law has changed, um, attitude, many attitudes haven't. And I, what I really don't want, and what we don't want at LGBT Ed, my organisation, is for any young people to ever have to go through what I went through. As children, we rely, first of all, on our parents and the, the other adults in our lives to, you know, guide us and tell us where we're going but te- teachers arguably see see children for more of the day than parents will and they are a a key component in their formative years so when when you have someone in that authority who you're, you're looking to for reassurance and guidance and the right mm-hmm. way to do things and it's not forthcoming quite a letdown well yeah our, our um slogan at lgbt ed is let's be the role models we needed at school because i didn't have those role models and i know that so many young people never have. And, and the, the Stonewall School Report in 2017, which was a piece of research, the statistics in there are quite frightening. And it says uh, in that report that more than half of LGBT plus students feel that bullying has a negative effect on their education. And uh, again, more than half, 53%, say there isn't an adult or their school they feel they can talk to. Um, that, that, that's a lot of young people. And even worse, um, 45% of young trans people have attempted to take their own life 
and half of them have succeeded. So, you know, we, we do what we do at LGBT Ed and we try to encourage people to be visible role models in schools because it's the right thing to do. Um, you can bring it back to Ofsted and you can say, you know, we have to create a safe, welcoming, warm environment for all of our young people. Absolutely. And it, but it's mainly because it's the right thing to do. And we, like I said, we don't want any young people to experience the kind of things that so many people I know and myself have experienced. When you came out in your assembly in 2017, that must have been a, a, a monumental experience for you for me it was it was it was coming out on assembly was a culmination of many many years of anxiety and stress and fear um all, all coming to a head and i finally thought actually you know what what's the worst thing that can happen and i'm so glad i did it it was 2017 so that was nine years into my teaching career at that point it took me that long to even tell anyone i was gay at work um, and I did it in assembly because my theory was that children in that assembly, you know, if, if approximately 6% of the population are gay, then that's what, around 70 children in that, if it's a whole school assembly, around 70 children would be, um, would be um, you know, LGBT+. So my idea was to do it at once, speak to everybody at the same time, so it's not a subject of gossip and different people don't get a different message and it all, you know, it's all very, very clear. And all I said... Um, it was an LGBT History Month assembly, so it wasn't an assembly about me, but all I said was that as a gay man, I know how important it has, how important it is, sorry, to have LGBT plus uh, visible role models. Um, the reaction in the assembly was fantastic um, in, in that there was barely any reaction because young people are incredibly open-minded and, and tolerant and, you know, fantastic people. Um, but then after the assembly, once it was then covered by BBC News, it kind of spiralled. And um, I, I never intended for it to be about me. Um, and, and what I learned on the back of the reaction to the assembly in, in, um, nationally and internationally was actually there was some work to be done here. There's some work for all the young people that were like me that need it because clearly because it had such a strong reaction it was on the bbc news website and all kinds of things because it had such a strong reaction clearly there's an, still an issue and it's still a taboo i mean i was told whilst i was training to be a teacher um never come out to your students it, it will just give them more ammunition and uh, that terror uh, terrified me and I think all the years before I came out, but because I was holding something back, because I wasn't being my authentic self, I didn't really feel happy in my role. And I didn't really feel like I was achieving what I wanted to achieve. I went into teaching to, to right the wrongs that I experienced and to, to, to make um, people's experiences at school better than mine was. And I couldn't really do that without being my authentic self at work. And there are so many mental health studies that show that if you are not, if you're not able to be your authentic self at work, then your mental health is affected and your performance at work is affected. So for me, it was a culmination of all, of all the things that I'd experienced in the past and all, and all the dread and the fear and the anxiety. But actually the relief that I felt afterwards was amazing. And the, and the positive impact it's had on my career um, is huge. And uh, and, 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 you know, I, 
given my time again, perhaps I would have done it differently. I'm not suggesting that an assembly is the best way to do this, perhaps. You know, I'm not suggesting all that you go into class with jazz hands and say, oh, hello, I'm your new teacher and I'm gay, you know, this kind of stuff. But I guess what it has encouraged people to do is to find a way to be visible and authentic that suits them. Um, so I guess uh, um, so one, one way that some people do it is have a photograph of them with their same-sex partner on their desk at work um, or to drop their partner's name into a conversation with students and make it clear in conversation that they're gay. Just the small ways that you can, that you can usualize um, the LGBT plus experience in schools. And I'm conscious that I have veered away from the question slightly, but I hope that answered your question. That's absolutely fine. Is, is this something we should all be, you know, paying attention to make, making a, you know, a big deal out of no big deal? If you yeah, see what I mean? It shouldn't. Yeah, it should. The fact that it is a big deal um, is worrying in itself, isn't it? Because we shouldn't have, to, we shouldn't have to be coming out to support young people, and young people shouldn't need that from us. But the the, the way that schools are, and the and the way that um, young people struggle to come to terms with their identity, they need us as those role models, and it needs to be a big deal. And as you know, I wrote the book, um, well, I edited the book, um, Big Gay Adventures in Education, um, and I gave it that title because I want to take the taboo out of the word gay in schools. And I wanted to make it lighthearted and positive and fun. We only ever hear about negative um, LGBT plus experiences in schools, but the book is all about positive experiences. You know, LGBT plus joy and all the chapters are from a different either out teacher or out student talking about their positive experiences of what it means to be out at school. And all of those in their own way have made a big deal out of it. And I think what's happening is it's becoming a, a movement that's just becoming accepted and understood to some extent in schools. There's still a, a hell of a lot of work to do, but the movement is, is spiraling. And, you know, we've now got 6,000 people in our network on, on Twitter um, and we're continually growing. And they are teachers, um, trainee teachers, school leaders, lecturers at university. So it is becoming something massive that is having a real impact. And thankfully, it's not about me anymore. And it's about all of us as a, as, as, as a, you know, a, a society, as a collective um, as I guess a family of LGBT plus people who all have something in common that we've never been able to share. That's always been taboo. And now we can start to talk about it. And as you said before, it's, it's about the young lad coming up to you after the assembly that yeah. you barely recognize. He's shy. He's nervous, but he says to you, sir, your assembly has changed my life. That is, that, that is those, the words he used. He said to me, sir, your assembly just literally changed my life. And then he just walked away. I mean, we talk about the things that teachers say, but the things that kids say out of the mouth of babes and all that, as you say, mm -hmm. prejudices are learned. They're not, you're not born with them. And for, for a child to, who, you know, is, is so, you know, removed and in of himself to then come to you and say something as massive as that. 
And I think I would have felt the same if I was on the receiving end of that assembly. You know, I would have felt exactly the same. It is such a huge relief, such a weight off of your shoulders to just say those words, I'm gay, you know? And you never stop coming out. You know, people often ask, you know, what's your coming out story? And I'm like, I have to come out every time I meet somebody because society will assume that I'm straight. The heteronormative society assumes that I am straight unless I tell people otherwise. And that's why we need to be visible because we don't want everyone to assume that we're all straight and that we're all the same. We want everyone to be able to identify with somebody in school um, and know that somebody else is different and that they're okay with it. I've seen a, another quote from you that you'd, you'd like children to realise that they're being taught by a human being rather than, you know, you know please miss, please sir, let's, let's, let's worry about that. We're, we're all people on this little tiny speck of rock floating around the cosmos and that, you know, as people, we've got massive diversity and you know, that's, that's something to be celebrated and enjoyed, not, not yeah, critiqued I, I and put in boxes. That, absolutely. I find that um, relationships with students is the most positive um, way to get them to learn and also the most positive way to manage behaviour. Um, if they see you on a human level and you see that, and this is not saying be their friend in any way, because it's never like that. And it's completely professional. And there's always that barrier there, you know, that you, that, that you never cross. But um, once you teachers, once students, sorry, once students see you as a human and can begin to identify with, with you as a person, it, it makes a significant difference on their ability to behave on their ability to learn uh, because they feel included and they feel safe that there is somebody else like them. We are, you know, we are human beings and we are teaching human beings. It isn't our job just to teach curriculum, curriculum, curriculum. That's such a, that's such a, an old fashioned view. We are creating young people. We don't want people to churn out facts and we don't want people who can just write an essay we want people who can think and can empathise. And actually, we want people who can disrupt, to some extent, the status quo that's protected uh, by a straight, white, male establishment. We want people to challenge and ask the right questions in the respectful ways to ensure that everybody is treated uh, fairly, as fairly as possible. There was support from other members of the staff after your assembly it was a catholic school you were teaching at i believe uh my first school was a catholic school but the school i was at when i came out was a school that had a large um community of muslims and also uh christians um it was quite a, a, a large a very a diverse religious background uh, at the school yes so you're at a school with numerous faiths across the, the cohort mm -hmm. and it was it was really nice to see the sign that appeared on one of the doors. Thou shall love thy neighbour as thyself. Yeah, I'm a Christian and I support LGBT. What's your excuse? Yeah, I'm a Muslim. I support LGBT rights. Yeah. What's your excuse? Absolutely, and that 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 didn't come from me. That came from colleagues rallying round um, who who understood, even if I didn't necessarily do it in the right way in their opinion, um, in some people's opinion, they understood the meaning behind what I was trying to do. And um, what 
And I was so grateful for that because like I said, it took me nine years of teaching um, to be out at work. And it was a huge um, emotional deal, a huge professional deal for me. But, you know, the, 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 the work that's happened since and the, 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 the progress we've made since made it all worthwhile. You talk about positive role models. You've become a role model yourself. <laughs> I know you've mentioned before David Weston as perhaps one of your role models. Yes, David Weston, who now runs the Teacher Development Trust. I remember reading an article about him. I actually met him by chance, um, and he helped me with the initial setup of LGBT Ed, and then Hannah Jepson um, became co-founder of it with me. Um, I actually met David Weston by chance at another event, having read already his article from a few years ago about how he came out at school. And also I read an article um, by Sean Delenti, who's written a book called Celebrating Difference, which I would really recommend reading. And those two articles planted a thought in my head, knowing that they other people had done it before. I wasn't the first, but there have been so few. And it really did put an idea in my head that, you know, what, what would happen if I did this? How, you know, I, I always felt, I, I, it's really hard to explain, but I always felt that I didn't quite know what my voice was in my career or how I could use my voice. You know, I, I did um, drama and amateur dramatics growing up. I recorded music and, and all kinds of things. I wrote poetry and comedy scripts. I tried to decide, use all those things to decide what my voice was. I think Sean Delenti and David Weston helped me realise that I can use my voice in a way that helps others and in a way that isn't about me and necessarily about my own views. It's about using my experiences positively and using my voice for those that can't have one, like, like, like young people. And once I thought of it like that... I realised that there really is some power in this um, for in terms of the impact that it can have. And yeah, it, ju it just kind of spiralled. And here we are today. I've, I've got a book out with lots of contributors in it and we're running the third cohort of our Proud Leadership Programme. This year it's funded by Teach First, who have been amazingly supportive. Um, instantly, all government funding has been cut for all equality and diversity projects in schools. So we risk after this year having no funding at all. Hence why our website isn't even working. Um, and we're kind of relying on bids, um, ad hoc bids to various charities and that kind of stuff to, to, to be able to pay for what we do. Um, but, the, you know, the work is spreading. The word is out there. And we are having, we are slowly having an impact. And the fact that you've invited me on here today shows that people are hearing about what we do. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to, to share my thoughts with you and talk about what it is that LGBT Ed are trying to achieve. It's a pleasure to have you on the pod. And it's great to hear from someone willing to be such a positive figurehead for their organisation. Within a school organisation, staff look to the head teacher as a figurehead. Uh, what would you like head teachers to consider? to make schools more inclusive for LGBTQ plus people? In, in my uh, opinion, uh, when recruiting for your school, um, I think that 
things that we can do to make schools safe places for LGBT plus students and teachers include never missing an opportunity to ensure that LGBT plus people are listened to, respected and uh, represented, particularly trans people. Uh, because the trend in the media now is, is towards a very anti-trans agenda with much of the negative language used, echoing uh, the language that was directed towards gay men during the AIDS crisis in the 80s. Um, the statistics about trans young people in schools are frightening. Um, if you're not listening to these young people and, and trying to find ways to make their lives easier, then you're not creating an inclusive, safe and welcoming school. So many schools come to me um, reactively and not proactively. Because if trans people in your school aren't having problems at the moment, um, then they will be soon. Um, you'll, if you haven't had a trans student in your school yet, you will soon. And what you don't want to do is to make them feel uncomfortable by having to react and having to cobble together a changing room or a toilet and all these kind of things. Uh, the Mermaids um, website gives lots of ideas about how to create LGBT inclusive and trans inclusive, specifically uh, changing spaces and toilet areas um, for young people. It's really worth looking at the, the Mermaids website for that. Um, another way that schools need to, need to change their culture is by making the curriculum more LGBT plus inclusive. You know, ask ourselves at schools, are we only teaching about dead straight white men? Where are the lesbian poets, the gay scientists, the trans film directors in the curriculum? You know, I had no way growing up gay um, of learning what it means to be who I am. Whereas in a heteronormative society, young straight people are represented all over our TVs, uh, in our films, and in what they're taught. And the saying is that we can't be what we can't see. So have you looked at ways to diversify your curriculum? It doesn't even need to be a statement that you're making. It doesn't need to be an obvious change that you announce that you, you know, it's not supposed to be tokenistic. Are you usualizing LGBT plus experience in your, in your curriculum? Um, and we do that just because it's, it's the right thing to do. We can argue left, right and centre what the business case is for this, or you can complain that it costs too much money to create these facilities for, for LGBT plus students or trans students. But it is the right thing to do. And Ofsted are looking for how you create an inclusive school that's safe and welcoming for all students. If you have a small number of LGBT plus students who do not feel safe at school, you are not doing your job as a school leadership team. And our role as teachers is, is to create an environment where these young people feel safe and therefore where they can learn. And it's, you know, so it's about not missing those opportunities, I would say, overall. And we should be replicating that across business as well. Yeah, some businesses, some, some, some organisations um, do this really well. And some businesses certainly put schools to shame. I think the problem with our school system um, still, as a result of Section 28, which is the, ha the hangover, there's 20 years on it since it was almost 20 years since it was abolished, but the hangover of it is still there. The problem with our school system is it's so conservative with a, with a small c, of course. Um, it's so conservative that people are worried about um, rocking the boat uh, or putting their head above the parapet. 
And if you're in the right school, they will allow you to do that. You have to question if you can't be authentic at school and if your school is is not creating the environment that they should be for, for, for LGBT plus young people, you have to question whether you're working in the right school and whether you should actually maybe be working somewhere else. In an ideal world, it would be nice if none of this mattered, but right <laughs> now it, it, it does, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, we, 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 we need to be you know, celebrating difference in, in the loudest possible terms rather than just appreciating or respecting it quietly. I think we need to be making noises about our differences and how that's okay. We are still at the stage where we do need to be making noises, where we do need to be celebrating uh, because so many people are still not okay with the fact that gay people exist. Uh, gay parents exist. Why should we not talk about the fact that there's a couple of students in your class who probably have um, same-sex parents in the same way that there are some that only have one parent or no parents? Why is it not appropriate? Why, you know, why is it wrong to celebrate these different types of family? I'm often given the, I'm often, um, some people often use the argument that many people use the argument that talking about LGBT plus issues is not age appropriate. Because what they're doing is they're conflating um, being gay with sex, with gay sex. Um, and the, the myth that gay men are paedophiles that still is, is, a, is a horrible, horrible thing, but it still bubbles under in, in the media and, and, and in society. And we, we never, as LGBT plus people, never talk about sex in school. Of course we don't, because that would be unprofessional and inappropriate. And, and I'm not condoning that we ever do that. But what we should do is celebrate the culture of LGBT plus people and celebrate the successes of LGBT plus people and increase the visibility of LGBT plus people. It's never about sex. It's about family. It's about relationships. It's about celebrating difference and celebrating culture. Before you go, Daniel, I do need to ask, how do you take your tea? I take my tea with two sweeteners and a side order of jazz hands. Oh, my word. Any biscuits on there to put in those jazz hands? Yes. Now, um, I would say this, the, the go-to biscuit um, would be, you know those Choco Leibniz? Leibniz? Oh, yes. For me, if they're available, absolutely those. Otherwise, I'll settle for a basic, uh, basic custard cream because they are pretty unbeatable when it comes to versatility two absolutely solid choices there that was great fun thank you ever so much thanks to daniel for joining us for today's episode if you're out there and want to get involved in the conversation and support lgbt ed then do make sure to give them a follow on twitter at lgbt ed uk you can find the link in our show notes thanks again for joining us for this week's episode and as always if you've enjoyed it please subscribe to us and check out our website where you can listen to all of our episodes so far see you next time